Welcome, Margot. Hi, Alicia. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Ah, I'll always be here if you need me. We love you, and we. I just want to tell you, listeners, that we love Margot because she's awesome. She is. Um, she's uh, first generation Polish. And of course, I'm Polish, so of course, I love her already. She's a little biased. I'm a little biased, <laughs> but not too much. And so Margot is a social worker, which yep. means that she's doing counseling. She sees patients at holistic wellness, and she just is a spectacular person. And if you've never done counseling, I highly recommend you sign up with Margot. Yeah, thank you. I like to take all the pretentiousness out of clinical practice. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in like sitting down with people and having a normal relationship, but that relationship works in a therapeutic setting because I do a good job of setting boundaries. And I think that that boundary setting, you know, is helpful as a model to others that are navigating their own relationships and are learning how to navigate communication skills and all the things that life throws at us on a daily basis. That's right. I've been a therapist with Holistic Wellness Solutions for like, I don't know, six months, maybe more. I don't know. I stopped counting. I just know I like my job. So I've you just belong. So you feel like you are here forever. And that actually brings me to like kind of my greater point for today is like, how do you find a sense of belonging in a job? What brought me to this practice was, I guess, the practice of therapy is what I'm trying to say. It was never, never the plan. I didn't like grow up thinking that I was going to become a therapist. It's just something that I found myself doing. Now, of course, I didn't just waltz into grad school without like knowing what I could get myself into, but like I, I really wasn't sure. I made a, a career choice after pursuing something that that I considered to be my greatest passion, and I made a choice to leave it. What was it? Um, I was a performer. I spent my entire childhood, you know, studying theater, training, I mean, every week I was in voice lessons. I was constantly doing shows. That's why you have such an amazing voice. Thank you. Uh, Well, I've had a lot of training. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But that's the thing. It's like there's not a lot of training in the world of clinical practice. Like there probably should be. But for the most part, we're all just sort of figuring it out day by day, client by client. Um, And a lot of the information that I've brought into clinical practice has come from my own personal life and from my previous career and things that I've learned through like kind of my own self-education, especially podcasts. Like I've learned a ton of things that I've brought into my clinical practice through podcasts because a lot is to be learned when two interesting people sit across from each other and talk about things that they care about. And that that's personally my favorite way to learn. That's amazing. I learned that I do a lot of a lot of mm-hmm, uh-huh when I'm sitting across from people doing counseling. And now I learned when I'm doing podcasts, I have to nod or in some other way. Uh, Sounds like you, you have to master the art of doing nothing. <gasps> <laughs> that the like those are little things that like I little phrases that like I find myself coming back to that I that would always come up in my theater training. Like um for example, I'm I'm talking about like clown work. I did like a semester of clown training. Oh, you got to tell us about clown um, work now. Come on. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. I So like the, I initially got introduced to clown work when I was in high school. I went to performing arts high school and we did like a whole like semester of, of clown work with this like enchanting woman. Her name was Bernadette. And um, it was really cool because it you took a bunch of like 17, 18 year old students that 
all they wanted to do was to perform, was to put on a show. And you had to strip back all of that until you kind of found your inner child. That's kind of what clown work was, was to break you of your like learned impulses and get you to behave from a really authentic place without all the pretentiousness, without all the performance, without all the like the need to create and to literally just like sit in nothingness and see what comes from it. That's a great therapeutic um, yeah. technique. I constantly find that like my acting training translates to my therapy work like every day, like I find something new that like is relevant to practice. Um, I find my, I find that I use a lot of like the somatic work that I learned in acting training in therapy. Cause I mean like, yeah, we have somatic therapy is like understanding what's going on in your body so you can control what's going on in your mind. The same thing goes in, in theater. Like unless you have an idea of what's going on in your body, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to be present and, listen and respond and act natural. Like performance is just behaving in imaginary, behaving truthfully in imaginary circumstances. So. Wow. That's so cool. I'm in somatic experiencing therapy right now. So Are you? Yeah. So that's really interesting because I remember I was in drama in high school and it was like 11th grade. They were like, you should join. I was like, okay, I'll try it. And then I had a great time. I don't think it's my biggest passion, but I could definitely... Looking back, I can tell that I wasn't as connected with my body, so it w was harder for me. Yeah. So that's really interesting, everything that you're saying. I'm just, like, drawing connections. So yeah. yeah. There was one, um, like, somatic practice that we would do in uh, theater training called tremoring. And I, I actually think that it is, like, a clinical practice. Like, they call it, like, somatic shaking, but yeah. we called it tremoring. Yeah. Um, and the point of it is to, like, put your body into, like a like, a minor tremor to, like – increase resonance in your body. But what that also does is like forces you to get tension out of your body in like the little places that you're not even aware of. I actually yeah. like it a lot better than progressive relaxation. It's progressive relaxation is one of the hardest things for me because they tell you to relax and then tense up your muscles and mm -hmm. then relax them again. And I'm like, okay, I'm either going to relax or I'm going to tense up. I hate the transitions. Yeah. So this is actually very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some people get totally freaked out by it. Yeah, and like I, I like don't even it. totally feel comfortable like introducing mm -hmm. it into my clinical practice yet just because I learned it through the like the mm -hmm. lens of a, of a performer, not a clinician. Mm -hmm. But is this is just another example about how like my theater training like, lended itself to clinical practice without me even ever knowing that it would happen this way. That's so cool. It I did. Um, there is something similar that I've I haven't, I'm not that deep into somatic yet, but mm -hmm. she told me to just when I'm alone or like after something really big happens to kind of just see what my body does and just let it do it. And sometimes I'll just throw my arm to the side, just move weird or like do strange things. Yeah. And that was, it was super cool to just have their permission because I feel like I spent most of my life just kind of trying to be perfect. Yeah. Just trying mm -hmm. to be like, okay, you know, being so cool, we be call that authentic hurt. movement. And, yeah. Um, oh, cool. In like theater training, we would have. A professor, she was my movement teacher, and she would hold space, and yeah. she would. It was very ceremonial, like you know, mm. she would like hang. Like, no, I'm not trying to say she would like use one of those bell things, like a gong, to yeah. like indicate that the practice has started, and we would just like lay on the floor and follow our impulses. I love that, like just like moving around, like willy nilly, and and she would 
gently coach, like, you know, coach us if she felt like we were like kind of performing too much. Mm -hmm. And the whole point was to like really explore like what's going on in your body and to like follow those impulses and see what happens. Yeah. So I have a great idea because I'm full of great ideas. I think we need to start a group where you would lead the group and you would basically, we could practice some of these things for therapeutic purposes. Maybe. That would be kind of fun. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out how to like marry my two professions together. They're already married. What are you talking about? I don't know. You just I, talked about it. I think uh, this is. They're this like is, making out kind of together. Yeah, yeah, married. Yeah. Like, my two careers are making out. Yeah, definitely. It's great. Um, <laughs> They're shaking and vibrating. Like you need a podcast. I can just tell yeah. you have a lot of great information. Like yes. It's all like swimming around. And even as I, I talk out loud, I, I feel like all of my thoughts are really disconnected because I think. I'm still learning how this is all connected in my own body and in my well, own mind. Well, that's the perfect way to be because nobody ever has it figured out. And if they do, they just wouldn't be doing this. It sounds very organized to yeah. me. Oh, that's I'm good. Yeah, 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 you are very organized. I know what you mean now. <laughs> yeah. But that was the other thing that I was kind of thinking would be interesting to bring up is just like what it's like to have a dream job and then to leave it for something else. Because I think so many people are chasing this idea of a dream job. But my question for is my question to that person is like, do you do you dream of labor? Like, is that are you going to have a healthy relationship with a thing that you're passionate about if it's your job? Whereas I found that I can have a healthier relationship with my with my passions, with my creative impulses if I'm not expected to perform, if I'm not expected to create something on someone else's terms. So you're basically saying like when there's no pressure yeah. to create something, you're more uh, creative almost and yeah. uh, more free to create something. Like everybody knows that like when you move to New York and try to pursue mm-hmm. acting that it's going to be hard. Like that's no secret. I would have to be delusional to think that I would have just moved to New York and had it all figured out. But I did a lot of other things. I did like 90% other things and 10% performing. Mm -hmm. And I found that like my relationship with something that I, that I love deeply was becoming jaded. And I was like, I can't keep doing this. I would rather take my ability to connect with others, my ability to connect with myself and find something else that I can do. And that, well, that here that you are. That means being a therapist. And that means you're connecting with people every day. Yeah. And you're still a performer in some ways, but you're oh, helping them. A thousand percent. I think because of all of my training, I'm I'm very willing to push myself into uncomfortable situations just because when you start auditioning as a seven-year-old, you just learn to not be scared projection yeah. and know that it's an inevitable part of life. I always tell people and I have to constantly remind myself that like rejection is protection. Mm-hmm. But it does tell, tell us more about that. Rejection is protection. Tell us more about that <laughs> concept. Because a lot of people struggle with rejection. For example, dating relationships. My gosh, so much rejection. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're all rejected like a lot, all the time. Even when we're not even consciously aware of it. Like it happens all the time. Yes. It, but it's the things that we choose to focus our attention on because we work ourselves up and then we let our imagination fill in the gaps because we're looking to look forward to something. And then it's really disappointing when it either doesn't go the way that we want it to or it doesn't work out or we get hurt. But you can't protect yourself from pain, but you can protect yourself from suffering. But you could protect yourself from pain. If you lock yourself away, like in your house, and you become a recluse, then pain can't find you, right? You're just by yourself. It's fine, but then people end up... And what about... Okay, if I... Okay, lock myself in my house, 
start drinking to numb myself. It's not a, a bad way to be. Yeah, but you would be a prisoner of the past. Nothing will ever change unless you make different choices. Damn it. Margot. <laughs> You're I too like wise. She's <laughs> too wise. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I kind of just talk. Like I, I don't have much of a filter. And that, that gets me into trouble from time to time. Well, tell us about some of the trouble, trouble situations that you had because of your, your lack of filter. Oh, yeah, my big mouth? Oh, I don't know. Just like, especially when I was younger, just like someone would tell me something and then I'd get, like, get excited in a conversation with somebody else and like end up saying something that I shouldn't have and being like, God, why did I do that? <laughs> I messed up a lot of friendships, a lot of relationships in the past just because I... People would get offended? Yeah, if you, like you know, say something that you shouldn't about another like person or, or like, give someone else information about somebody else's, per- somebody else's life that oh. isn't theirs to know. Um, that's not a problem at all now in clinical practice because it's like my job to like honor people's privacy. But yeah, my mouth has gotten me in trouble many times. I guess maybe it is a Polish thing because I have no filter either. Well, so. It could be. I mean, my mom's the same way too. She's like the most eccentric character I've ever met in my entire life. And I love her for that. I describe her as like a Polish Joan Rivers. (laughs) (laughs) They're like the same person, I swear. (laughs) That is so funny. Okay, so you have to tell us, I know you traveled to Poland recently, so you have to tell us about what you think about America versus Poland or what your experiences were when you went to Poland. I... Not that this matters because, you know, I wasn't intentionally trying to do this. And I also like intentionally don't weigh myself. That's like a practice in my life where I don't even own a scale. I, it's not my business. My Only the person who needs to know how much I weigh is my doctor. I thought you were going to say your husband. Not my Sorry. husband. <laughs> <laughs> only my doctor. But okay. I, I, I was curious because I, I felt so healthy after that trip despite the amount of vodka that there was. Hey, vodka makes everything better, right? <laughs> and I was like, I, I had to have lost a little bit of weight and I, I think I lost like around six pounds is, is what I think I did. Wow. From... Almost doing nothing – that's not what I'm trying to say. I did everything different. I was walking everywhere. I was eating better food. I was on a completely different schedule. Um, and it just reminded me how difficult it is to maintain a healthy lifestyle in this country. I there agree. are so many people that struggle with their weight, that struggle with their self-image, when nothing about our lifestyle is conducive to healthy habits. Mm-hmm. Unless you make very intentional choices to buy all organic or to grow your own food or to live in a city with a super high cost of living that has functional public transportation and walkable neighborhoods. But for most of us, that's just not available to us. And and that's what... We drive everywhere yeah, in I this know. country. We li- literally drive everywhere. My sister came here from Germany with her husband and they walked from my house to CVS. And I was like looking at them like, what's wrong with you? Like, really? <laughs> like, let's get in the car. I can drive you over there. Yeah. They're like, but we miss walking because they walk, you know, a lot where they live. And then they came here to visit us. And I'm like, well, okay, but make sure to wear a bulletproof vest because the neighborhood's <laughs> not that great. Yeah, it's really interesting to like, I don't know, I'm a very social person. I'll talk to anybody. I think we share that yeah. in common. Um, being in Europe and like meeting other young people out and about and just like sitting across from them at like a cafe or a bar and hearing the kinds of questions that they have to ask. And it's always about like, well, you know, our president and our lack of health care <laughs> and right. guns. Right. That, those seem to be like the three heavy hitters. It's like, okay, so why is everybody shooting each other? What is wrong with your presidents? Why are they all bad? And also, um, 
you have to pay for healthcare? Question mark. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, we we sure do. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's not go the healthcare route right no, now. No, I, I, I can't. I, I can't no, do, I it. Won't do it. But tell us about strawberries because I think we had that conversation oh about strawberries. The first time I had like a proper strawberry was when I was in the UK for the first time. I guess like British strawberries are kind of a big deal. They're very obsessed and very proud of their strawberries. And I was okay. like, wow, that is a delicious strawberry. Mm-hmm. That actually tastes what a strawberry should taste like. I don't even know if I'd ever had a strawberry that great, but I was like, this is, this is it. This is what this is supposed to taste like. This is amazing. And then obviously in Poland and other European countries too, the fruit actually tastes like fruit. I know to maybe somebody who has not traveled internationally, that could be a difficult concept to wrap your brain around. But you know, when you have a really good piece of fruit and you're like, oh my God, it should taste like this all the time. That's Mm -hmm. what it's like when you're in another country. The food actually tastes like what it's supposed to taste like because they're not pumping it full of chemicals. That's right. So yeah. So my parents are from Poland too. And I, we used to just really look forward to the strawberry season because we would always just just eat strawberries, so much of it. Mm-hmm. And then we came to this country, and now it's like you can buy strawberries all year round, but the way they taste, they are so tasteless. Yeah, they really awful. literally don't taste like anything. Yeah. So you are so disappointed when you eat it. I can't eat strawberries anymore, you know. Yeah. But but I'll, I'll give grapes a, a, a five-star because grapes in this country, in America, are just really delicious. I, I can't That's say I've take had a grape outside of... Um, U.S. The, US. the po- Polish uh, grapes, uh, anytime I would get grapes there, would be very sour. So this, mm-hmm. the grapes here are delicious. <laughs> Anything else that maybe you noticed that was different or weird or, or you were like, hmm. The people were very, very kind and very, very accommodating. Um, and, and it seems that English is, is like almost become like Esperanto. Is that the right term? Yeah, I mean, that was like the language that they tried to create. That yeah, would be a universal. It's pretty common. Yeah. Um, so I'm saying that like the English language has become the universal language for people to use. Especially when for younger people. Absolutely. Yeah. I met with a lot of young Polish people who they were like, oh, my English is terrible. And I'm like, no, your English is just fine. <laughs> and they were like, oh, when I say I go to Greece or something, I would speak English to the people from Greece. And that's how we would communicate. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's a it's an easy thing for me, me to, you know get along with since I'm an English speaker. Didn't help my Polish at all um, because everyone wants to just speak English with you. But uh, that was interesting. Um, The hospitality of just, you know, being treated like, you know, I was talking earlier about like basically like gender talk, but like to be treated like a lady was was nice. It's nice that men in Poland, right? A lot of men will still open doors for you. They are very gentlemanly like. They will carry your groceries for you sometimes. They will like really do a lot of stuff that in this country are like, what is this guy trying to get out of me? Five bucks or something? Like, why is he doing this? It seems like every, especially men that that I came across, they went out of their way to just like be Mm -hmm. kind without there being like an alternative agenda. It was just... It's just kindness. Kindness. I I miss that. Good behavior for the Mm -hmm. sake of being a good person. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think I spent a lot of my life like visualizing what Poland would be like because that was all that was talked about at home was, oh, in Poland and Poland, 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 Poland. So I feel like I was able to kind of fill in the blanks pretty quickly. 
But to like finally be there and be amongst people that I have like blood relation with made a big difference. Gave me like kind of a sense of belonging that I don't know if I really ever had growing up here. You know, it was like I was so embarrassed to bring lunch to school as a kid because my mom, mom <laughs> would make would weird make weird food. Oh my so. gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, like little things like putting butter on a sandwich. I guess in some regions that's normal in the U.S., but here everyone puts like mayo on a ma- on a sandwich. Oh yeah, I forgot where, about that. Like you know, in, in Polish culture, if you make a sandwich, you put butter on it. You know, I, I don't you know. You do like, put butter on it. Yeah, that's, that's the only too. thing you put. My mom make me a tuna sandwich and put butter on. Yeah, it. I I think for some, I mean, again, like the United States is so big, like it's it's too big probably, and like it's no wonder people can't get along and agree on things because, I mean, technically almost every state could be its own country. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to generalize like one one little thing like putting butter True. on a sandwich <laughs> what for the ki- whole country. What kind of weird things did you notice that Polish people eat just out of curiosity? Um, I want to know I kind of say, like an American view of... I wouldn't say, again, like it's not weird for me because yeah, I grew okay. up eating all yeah, of that that's food. True. I mean, like I we went to Polish stores and... True. I mean, all, even well, our, Okay, what the other kids in school thought that, that was weird that you were eating? Oh, like kielbasa on like a like a roll, like because it was it was like sausage on a sausage, roll. Sausage, you know. I mean, but yeah. like it was like garlicky and like had more of a potent smell than like a random ham sandwich, sure. you know, on Wonder Bread or whatever, <sighs> which is like a perfectly acceptable lunch for anybody. But mm-hmm. you know, it just she didn't have like the cute little like ways that like American moms put their little lunches together. It was I don't know. Strange. Yeah, so um, we talked about blood soup. What about you, Sophie? Oh, the blood sausage when I was in Argentina. So you guys have blood sausage. Yeah. In in Poland, we have something called blood soup, and I guess a lot of Polish people eat it. I Mm -hmm. don't like it. I'm Mm -hmm. not a vampire. but Well, it's regional, right? (laughs) Yeah, regional. I I know that, like, from the region that my mom is from, like, it's it's common to have mushroom soup, borscht. Mushroom soup is wonderful. And Mm. um, borscht, I'll eat it. It's like beet soup. Yeah, it's sour. Very hearty, very, like, good to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, my God. Very healthy. I was obsessed with Jurek in in Poland. Which one? Jurek? Jurek, yeah. So Jurek is like a, a kind of like a soup that... You put with uh, mashed potatoes, actually. Mm. I don't know how you guys make it, but we mashed, potatoes mashed potatoes just... with eggs, hard-boiled eggs yeah. kind of chopped it's up. It's more of a sour soup, and I, yeah, I like it's a, a sour soup. soup. So, mm-hmm. And I then you put that soup over that it constantly. I had yeah. such a shock when I moved to the States. Like, I was like, I don't like the food. Like, I remember every time I would eat out or at a friend's house, I would just feel like I'm just eating to sustain myself. Like, this tastes disgusting. Where did you move from? The Bahamas. That's where yeah. I'm from. Yeah. So <laughs> probably a lot more access to, like, fresh foods. Yeah, not anymore, but when I at the time that I left, I was yeah, I could just definitely taste the difference. Like I felt like I wasn't as nourished and I was kind of just like grossed yeah. out and also we season completely differently. Oh, like I'm everything sure. spicy and flavorful. I would love that. <laughs> yeah. I was so shocked after a while in Poland. I was like I just want a vegetable that isn't a carrot cabbage or potato oh yeah Mm. yeah but you know the one thing that i really miss from from like europe to here is is their uh bakery uh the the rolls and the breads oh my goodness can we can we like really put it out there in the world if somebody is here and is a baker and could start a good bakery in columbus yeah where you bake like really good stuff i'm gonna be there every day because there's something about flour outside of the state i've heard i'm gluten intolerant here yeah anywhere else i can eat bread right right people who go to italy and like eat 
pasta and lose weight and lose weight <laughs> yeah. that. and also like or they have a gluten or dairy intolerance mm-hmm. and then they have you know like Nothing. cheesy covered pasta in Italy oh. and they're just fine yep I, it blows my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Came home and I was like, why do I live here? <laughs> That's how I'm starting to feel after this conversation. I'm like, darn. Well, now I have like the itch to travel. Like all I want to do is go and and the US dollar takes you far. Oh, absolutely. That's why you live here. Right. If you could <laughs> if you could live yeah. in a different country but work here, yeah. it would be perfect. Yes. But if you have to work and live there, uh, you really yeah. have to fight for like a better quality of life and mm-hmm. it costs more money. I try to work from home standing up make sure I'm working out. It's so easy for me to just be like, mm, I'm just going to go in bed and work in bed. Oh, no, I know why things day. take so long. No, <laughs> no, I don't I don't often work from bed unless I have like cramps or something. But um, yeah. Yeah, I try to make like the bed a place for like sleep and, and yeah. intimacy. I try not to like lay in bed and like do work or yeah, just like hang out. Yeah. I don't know, like keep keep the bed a sacred, spa- sacred space. Yeah. Absolutely. And I was going to ask maybe, Margot, as you're experiencing the world of counseling and Mm -hmm. meeting with different clients, patients, what did you notice that maybe would be a few things you could recommend to people? I know there's, you know, it's winter time. A lot of people are getting depressed right now. Um, We we came out of this COVID epidemic and now there's more people sick with COVID again. Mm -hmm. I just feel like a lot of people are depressed. What would you say some maybe... uh, well, this ties into a lot of what I was just saying, and I know it's difficult, especially here, but like you have to move your body. Like I, I really don't think you stand a chance um, to manage whatever's going on emotionally if you're not finding a way to get the energy out. Like what do they say? Like energy cannot be created or destroyed. It has to be transferred. So the same thing goes with the energy that builds up in our body, the tension that builds up in our body. We have to find a way to get it out, transfer it somewhere else. Um, finding some physical practice that works for you. I'm not saying everybody's got to be out there running 5Ks weekly, but whether it's some sort of meditative practice, stretching, yoga, I don't care. Do something to move your body. So you don't think it's okay for me just to stay home and not not move, just sit in my chair and watch Netflix? Every single day? No. Sometimes, yeah, a thousand percent. Veg out. Do nothing. Live your best truth. I'm always trying to be more physically active. And I go through phases with it like everybody else. Uh, it's, it's, it's like a struggle to like push myself to go to my, my yoga classes every other day. But like I know I have to. I don't know how you do it. You just do it. So what about people that maybe never have been to counseling before? They feel a little depressed and they're like, I don't know if I should go because I don't – like you have any recommendations for people that are just – they don't even know what to expect. Like if they wanted to sign up and they found you, what would you say they can expect out of the process? I would say that if you can get through the first three appointments, reevaluate from there. I think like therapists are humans in the same way that you are and that it's going to take some time for things to feel comfortable. And oftentimes like when something is uncomfortable, that means something's happening. And if you can sit through it and experience it and learn something from it, you're probably on the right track. But it's also okay to like give somebody a shot. And if you really feel like it's not working to try somebody else. I like to remind my clients that like, like we work for them. They don't work for us. So if you feel like, you know, your needs aren't being met, it's not a you problem. It's probably just a connection issue. And it's okay to not get it right the first time. And so, it's okay to take breaks if you need them. 
so when I usually tell people, like, if they don't like the counseling with me, I usually just tell them, like, yeah, it's your fault. You know, you're doing <laughs> I, it wrong. I doubt you would ever say that. <laughs> never did, but just, yeah. Okay, yeah. so it's never them problem, it's us problem or communication problem. Yeah, I mean, it, just just like dating. If the rapport isn't there, if the connection's, like, not happening, like, that's that's really nobody's fault. And to just try again. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. We forgot the naked truth, though. Oh. It sounded like a naked truth a it little did. bit. Right? Is there anything that you feel like pressing? Like, anything that you just want people to know? Anything mm -hmm. that... You feel like you've been doing this and people are always like forgetting about this or that, like anything else that you can think of. Not that you won't get more chances. Obviously, we'll have you back if, you know, if there's something else you think about. But I don't know. I feel like I've already kind of thrown talked. like a couple little like, nuggets there where I'm like, well, nothing changes if you don't make different choices. I don't know. Just like embrace the uninevitable, which is that you can't control everything. My naked truth from today would be I really liked how basically everything that you said really considered all sides. And then kind of for me, I picked up like don't take it personal. Like if it doesn't, it's not about like if I find a therapist and we don't click, it's no one's fault. Just move on. Like, right. just like there's going. nothing wrong with you because you didn't click with somebody. Oh, yeah. I that do, happens all the time. I, yeah. I do want to add like. If you're a patient and you didn't like a session or two sessions, like don't go on Google and write a bad review. Like, come on, move on. Yeah. <laughs> Find somebody else. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you know, when I come back in the future, um, if you'll have me, I, I'm doing my EMDR training in February. Oh, that's wonderful. Which I am really, really excited about because I think um, like giving people something they can do in session to help them reprocess their traumatic memories without becoming triggered seems invaluable. I love you, Margot, love as you, you already know. <laughs> and it was wonderful having you for this interview. And we hope you keep teaching us new things. Thanks. I hope to keep learning. And at the end, we do an awkward, evil laugh like this. <laughs> 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 that was too easy.